0: That's ixl.com slash BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle where we interview real principals who are doing amazing things to help our students every single day. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter, at Jethro Jones. Um, so what uh, what do you do about people who are cynical and are going to disagree with everything? How do, how do you deal with that and approach that in a way that that still helps them be have their voice heard, but doesn't give them too much of a floor to to question for the sake of questioning.
1: Sure, sure. Um, I've always tried to take a motion out of it, uh emotion out of any argument and 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 tell teachers, let's just look at the research and and see if we interpret it a different way. Uh see if you interpret it different than I do. Uh, for example, we have to change the way we do things in schools. Um, I just I, I looked at our state's graduation rate last year was 81%. Uh, which is about four percent higher than the national average, and that's reason to celebrate. But still, we've got nineteen percent of our students that entered our system that didn't graduate with with a diploma. And we know now that a diploma is a ticket to nowhere, but even that, they didn't have a diploma and uh, and and we look at research like that, or research from all of these educational researchers on what happens to students that don't graduate or or learn at high levels. I don't think that can be misinterpreted, but that's, as a, as a principal, as an administrator, that research is invaluable as we look to make decisions.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, So you were the assistant principal and the principal of a high school um, and at Fossil Ridge, I believe your school is already a pretty good school, right? When you Mm -hmm. got there. Yes. Uh, How did, what did you do to, um, to take your school that was already good and make it even better?
1: Here's the deal, Jethro. Uh, when I got to Fossil Ridge, um, the perception of Fossil Ridge that it was a good school. And there were great teachers working just unbelievably hard there. Um, but as we as we dove in and looked a little deeper at assessment scores, uh, some of those indicators of effective schools, we realized that we had some work to do that um, we had described ourselves as a good school and I think in some areas we were but we weren't as, as good as we could be and, uh, and so that being said we, we undertook the, the process of, of defining our culture, our purpose, our vision, our collective commitments. One of our collective commitments was that we were going to intervene immediately and specifically with students that didn't get these skills that we had a, not only a professional, but a moral obligation to do that. And as we took a look at our existing intervention structures, we realized that they didn't align with what we said we were willing to commit to. So we had to make pretty significant changes to um, our culture and to our structures in order to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish and, and become a great school Um that being said I uh, just I want to share just a quick story with you right uh, I think this is important for leaders um, I was hired in March and uh, we, we undertook this process for the remainder of the school year and we were making some pretty significant changes to what was perceived as being a good school and I remember it was July 2nd uh, at 2 13 in the morning I sat straight up in bed sweating my heart was racing And I thought, what in the world am I doing? What are we doing? We're making significant changes, structurally and culturally to our school. And I'm gonna be the first principal fired in his uh, first three months of principalship. Um, Teachers, there's gonna be an uprising of parents, and I just had all of these fears that you have at night when your Mm -hmm. wheels are spinning. And I woke up, or I I didn't sleep the rest of the night. I went into school the next day, and uh, I walked in, and one of my teachers walked in, and said, "Good morning, Bob. How are you? Ooh, you look like crap." And I said, uh, I said, "Yeah, thanks a lot." But I said, and I described this this evening that I'd had, this uh, lack of sleep, and and my my story of woe, how we're making all these changes and and different things. And she said, "Bob, stop talking right now." She said, we profess that we're in this for kids, to do what's best for kids. So it's not a matter if we will or we won't do these things. If we really are in this for kids and learning, we have to do these things. And and, and that statement right there has kind of driven me um, during my principalship at, at Fossil Ridge as well as now. It's not a matter if we will or won't. We must if we're in this for kids and for learning. So...
0: Yeah, that is powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is yep. that is really powerful. Um what uh so you were hired in March and then by July 2nd you were changing so much that you you felt that you were in danger. How did you get the change to happen so quickly? I mean, you you said that it takes a long time, but um but you did something to do that really fast, especially at the end of the year when when people yeah. are starting to get tired and focusing on end-of-the-year testing and all that kind of stuff, how did you get that change to happen so quickly at that school?
1: Here, here's the deal, and and this is a sense of urgency for me. That they say the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, and the second best time is right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I would contend that the changes that we need to make – uh, the best time would have been 20 years ago, but the second best time is right now because as we get into schools, tell me if this sounds familiar. We don't want to do anything in the fall because we're just starting school yeah. uh, and people are trying to get organized. In the winter, we don't want to do anything there because everybody's burned out and ready for Christmas break. And the spring, we don't want to do anything there because we're getting ready for end of level assessments and everybody's stressed out. And the summertime, we certainly don't want to address anything there because everybody needs a rest and we need to recover. So there's really really not an optimal time when when change can happen so so my 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 advice is start right now there there's not uh, there's not an optimal time but there's a sense of urgency that if we don't change the way we do things in our schools and in our system we're going to lose kids Uh, we lost nineteen percent of our students that that exited our system without a diploma that's nineteen percent if that was one of your children or your grandchildren or, or the, that student that you would be willing to do anything for, you wouldn't tolerate that. And I wouldn't either. And so this, this sense of urgency is, is too great to allow kids to fall through the gaps any longer.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and as I'm, excuse me, as I'm, watching you talk, I can tell that you're very passionate about that. And I can I get leaning up in my chair. <laughs> That's right. Your face is getting bigger on the monitor and, <laughs> and I can, I can, I can see that you're passionate about it. And I think I can hear it in your voice too. And I hope when we do this, just audio, everybody can hear how excited and passionate about that you are. Um, and surely there are, almost everybody in education probably feels the same way though there may be some that aren't. Do you feel that we just need to allow those people to to be passionate about it and to feel passionate about it and to act passionate about it? And maybe they're so used to making these excuses that they're not, they're waiting for someone to come and say, it's okay to feel the urgency and it's okay to start doing things right now. Do you think that's how most educators are? Or, or did you feel you had to pull some people along?
1: No. I, I I truly believe that educators start every day with the most noble intentions. Uh, I think educators, all educators, are hardworking, committed, dedicated people that got into the profession for the right reasons. Um, that being said, I also believe that sometimes we work hard but we don't work hard at the right things Uh, we work hard and so so what I'm advocating for is not necessarily working harder but we just focus on the right things that we that we look at it differently that we look at education differently Uh, I think far too often much like parenting or anything else if you don't find a better way to parent you fall back to how you were parented Um, if you don't find a better way to grade in a classroom Um, you fall back to how you were graded or how somebody tells you to graded. We've got research-based best practices out there that we need to follow Mm -hmm. to ensure high levels of learning for every one of our students. Um, The the risk, uh, the consequence is too high to lose even one and so I'm not advocating that we need to work any harder but that we just need to work differently.
0: Right, and, and focus in on those areas where we can have a, a large impact. I used to work with a, with a teacher who got to school an hour before everybody else and stayed two or three hours afterward. And um, she still struggled greatly and her students still struggled greatly. And, um, and we started working on a, uh, on a way for her to do a better job at what she was doing rather than spending all that time. She was spending Pratt. that time in the right areas, and that that really has the potential to make someone um, so much better. Um, when you were at Fossil Ridge, were there any uh, any teachers who were um, saying we're good enough? We don't need to we don't need to be any better. Our scores are high enough. Was do you encounter um, that, and how did you deal yeah, with it if you did?
1: We had teachers, not necessarily that, that said we're good enough, but uh, we had a few teachers or kind of a, a feeling from a few teachers that, that we were achieving as high as we could with the population that we had. Mm. Um, and and I disagree with that. I, I think that all students can learn at high levels, uh, whether you are – uh, free and reduced lunch student, or whatever uh, those socioeconomic factors are, uh, we can overcome. Highly effective schools, and this is research tells us this: highly effective schools can overcome uh, student backgrounds and and different things like that. And that's why we need to get much better at at what we do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now you're the director of K-12 learning, and you're training principals right on how to how to lead schools. What are the things that you're focusing on? Um, I'm sure we've already talked about them, but in addition to what, what we've talked about, what are the things that you're really pushing in and, and especially with your professional development plan for this upcoming year for the principals? What, what's your focus?
1: I'm uh, I'm, I'm passionate about the professional learning community process. It's research based best practice um, and it works. Um, RTI and and all of those components of it, um, that that symbiotic relationship between PLCs and RTI are absolutely critical. So the great thing is we don't have to go out and find what best practice is, we just need to get good at this. Mm -hmm. I think in education after 24 years, um, Mm -hmm. more often than not we look for the the next uh, quick fix. The, the magic pill that's going to make us better, whether it's a, a reading program or a math program or anything like that. And I think uh, I think sometimes uh, publication companies will will promote these things as, "Hey, this this is the quick fix for your school." There is no quick fixes for schools. Um, it's 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 deeply embedding practices that make a difference that lead to. Um, that lead to dramatic changes in student learning. That being said, as a principal and as a, and as a former teacher, I was aware of the myriad of things that come down on a teacher's plate and on an administrator's plate. And so what I've tried to do here is to simplify and focus. In fact, I've got it writ- written on my board and I start every meeting uh, with our professional development team with those words. We've got to simplify and focus on those things that we know make a difference and remove some of those other things from teachers' plates, from administrators' plates that take us away from the work that we're to do.
0: Right. So can you – I know that um, we're getting close to our time, but can you talk briefly about what the essential components of of PLCs and RTI is so that – you know, just an overview for people to to get a grasp on something, so they can go do more research and and possibly some resources for them.
1: One of uh, a resource that we've used extensively this year has been a publication called Learning by Doing, um, and and we've used that as as uh, just a, a foundational support for us, and we're deeply embedding those processes uh, that are described in Learning by Doing. Um, the, the purpose, the development of a, of a clear purpose, vision and commitments, um, utilizing assessments as more than just a score in the book, but utilizing them as a, as a diagnostic way to figure out what students know and don't know, mm-hmm. uh, clearly articulating and identifying what the, what the guaranteed and viable curriculum is. Teachers are literally overwhelmed right now with the amount of standards and curriculum that they're to teach and they can't um, they can't ensure or or guarantee that every single student will learn anything in the standards right now or the curriculum and so what we're asking teachers and principals to lead the efforts in is identifying which things within the standards are are nice to know things and which ones are you've got to know this stuff this is critical stuff and we're we're calling that the guaranteed viable curriculum. Robert Marzano refers to that as guaranteed viable. Mm-hmm. And then we write our common formative assessments and our interventions toward guaranteeing that every single student will learn these skills during the year.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you very much for that very brief yeah. overview of a very complex topic. So my last <laughs> two questions that I that I ask each each interview are the first one is. What is one thing that a principal can do today to turn into, to help start the process of turning himself and, or herself into a transformative principal like you?
1: Gosh, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I would probably say, nice job. I would probably say to identify um, that research that that drives your work, your day-to-day work. Recognize the sense of urgency that we have. That we no longer have those uh, fallback jobs that we've had in the past, where we could rank and sort students. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have those, and so it's incumbent upon us as as educators to and as leaders to create schools and systems where learning is not optional, that, that students are going to learn those skills that we've identified are so critical that you can't make it in this course or grade level without, and then creating the systems and the structures within the school to make sure that every student knows those things. Uh, like I, I spoke earlier, the, the consequences are just are too great not to do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
0: Cool. Great. Thank you. And the last question is a pretty easy question. Um, <clears throat> it is, what is something that you have in your office, or uh, maybe even a story that helps you stay motivated and focused on what we really need to do?
1: Well, um, I talked about simplifying focus. Um, I've also uh, I've also talked about a, a story that I shared earlier in this uh, in this podcast about a teacher. Um, that that described to me her passion in, it's not a matter if we will or won't do these things. This is going to cause, I mean, this is, there's going to be contention in the process. Change is messy and there's going to be mistakes that are made, but in the end, if we're going to ensure high levels of learning for every single student, it's not a matter if we will or we won't, we must do these things. And uh, that statement in itself has served to drive me uh, professionally in what we do, not only as a principal, but as a district.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, Bob, thank you so much for your time. If you are willing and you want to share how people can uh, connect with you to get more information and resources,
1: now would be a great time to do that. Okay. I uh, I, I don't tweet or anything, but... <laughs> okay. uh, Contact me at uh, my email at bob.sanju at washk12.org. And I'm more than happy to assist anybody in their journey as, as they look to create systems, schools, to ensure that every single student in their school learns at high levels.
0: All right. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. And I know you're going to help a lot of principals um, become even better. So thank you so much.
1: A pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones.